Moffaday, and welcome to another episode of Live Till 5. It's Friday, March 3rd, 2017. Glad you could be with us today. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin, back from a three-week trip, work-related trip. I'll tell you a little more about that during the show. But uh, glad to be back in studio with you. I missed it. Uh, But I heard that uh, my sidekicks, my wingmen, my best buddies on and off the air, that they covered for me quite well. Matter of fact, some of you might have thought that the show got upgraded. But we're back to normal now. And it's going to be a lot of fun today. Episode 206 on this Friday, March 3rd. And uh, 206 episodes, pretty amazing. 3.06 p.m. in the afternoon. My high-tech weather station's not giving me an accurate outdoor temperature. But whatever the temperature is, the wind is about 11 miles per hour from the uh, northeast. So I would imagine the temperature's probably around 83, 84 degrees. Nice sunny skies. I look out the window here. Really no vehicles on campus right now because school let out a little early today for tomorrow heritage day formerly known as discovery day so maybe you're already at home or maybe you're driving around getting a few last minute errands done glad that you could tune in 88.1 fm is the most common way that we broadcast this show but it's not the only way you can also go to khmg.org and you can listen live through a number of different ways through our website including SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, RSS. You can also listen to the podcast through the same buttons on our website. So just go to khmg.org. Also let us know you're listening. Go to Harvest Family Radio on Facebook and like us. We want you to like us so much. Like us and uh, leave a comment. Let us know that uh, you're listening. Let us know what what you think about not just this show, but all the different things that we produce here at KHMG, Harvest Family Radio. We have a lot of great programs available through our website there, khmg.org. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. So if you've never been there, go to the website and do such. And we are glad that you're with us today. Again, it is Friday, March 3rd, 3.07 p.m. And uh, back in the saddle again here at KHMG Worldwide headquarters for Harvest Family Radio, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries. And uh, I am joined in studio by uh, Sebastian, Chris, and Lawrence. They're all here. We're all kind of ahead of schedule a little bit because the afternoon freed up because school let out a little early. And even our friends from the hub brought us our treats a little early. And uh, Lawrence, you glad that this week is almost over? Yeah, really. Uh, yeah, really glad. Yeah. I didn't know if I was going to describe it, the feeling, or if I'd just say yes. So I went with a stuttering yes. And you're not coaching anymore, right? You're done for the no, season? No, I'm done. We finished Tuesday. Sadly, um, the varsity guys uh, lost in the first round of the playoffs, but um, there's a bunch of the next round games tonight. But no, I'm not a volleyball coach. It's the one sport uh, I will never claim to have even ever been even dabbled in right because in michigan you know you're you're gonna shovel snow before you're gonna go play volleyball. right 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 yeah the guys we had sure. girls volleyball yeah so anyways all that being said didn't grow up with it so i don't know the game so you're gonna it, take the last quarter of the school year kind of off from well coaching. actually i'm doing a lot of traveling 
Oh. So it's probably best yeah, I'm sure. not coaching. Yeah, that's right. You guys are going to Thailand. Yeah, so. we leave a week from this afternoon. In fact, oh. one week from this minute, 310. Really? We're gonna be yeah, we're flying. Wow. So we But who's now, counting? That's who's great. counting? Yeah, yeah, that's my wife. She's actually been counting, so she reminded me of that last night or yesterday that's afternoon. That's awesome. So you won't be here. You won't be here next no, week. No, I won't be here next week. I'll be actually uh probably the plane you'd hear right now. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next week I'm going to the Philippines. Oh yeah. And then two weeks after that I'm going to Tokyo. Wow. So it is a little bit much, but um all 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 it's good, okay. good reasons and good Sorry. things. So it's- yeah, so you have to cover my. I'm going to give it to Sebastian. I yeah, Sebastian can do this day in history. Right. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. And Sebastian, you actually each one of you covered a show while I was gone, right? Did each one of you as yes. the head host? Yes. Okay. So Sebastian, how did yours go in your estimation? You know what? I believe it went well. Um, I think there are some things that I could tighten up in the show. Like, yeah. Like, I, I was kind of on a subject for a while because I had a lot of feedback. From the community, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw that on Facebook. You put out a, a request for stories, and yeah. you started getting deluged with stories. And I didn't know how to like deluged. handle it all. I wasn't expecting that much. So I, yeah, I think next time I'll try and put a limit and, uh, you know, get through a couple more things on sure, the show. Sure, sure. So. Did you fill the whole time? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Uh, great. <laughs> all right. Great. And Chris, of course, you hold down the fort here every single day. You can't hardly get a day off, actually. So, you know. Uh, you have to have yes. like strep throat and 103 degree fever to get any time off. But uh, how did the show go when you were hosting? We talked about humor. So really, that was there was a lot of laughing yes. on that particular day. No, yep. I don't know if there was or not actually, but uh, we did talk about humor on that day. Awesome, and I think it went all right. Only a couple technical difficulties. A couple technical difficulties that were my fault. Oh yeah, a little human error there, but. Well, you know, this show, we we do uh, engineer the show slightly different than your uh, afternoon program that you do. So we, yes. you know. Yes, <laughs> Throws them off sometimes. Yeah, yes. we, we yeah. you know, we, we get to use bumper music and things like that, which cover up for a lot of imperfections, actually. So <laughs> it's kind of like putting icing on a very uh, lumpy cake. Uh, so or <laughs> Or the use of bumper music. Ends up being one of the things you just kind of jump through, and uh, uh, we were laughing about it last week. <laughs> I explained it already to the listening audience a week ago. Is you know how you when you start the show you let it ride out about yeah. you know a good minute. Yes, I do. Well, <laughs> I'm over here kind of you know getting adjusted and, and making sure my seat's the right height and all that. Well, meanwhile, Chris put his headphones on. And I didn't know that, so I started saying, "I said, uh, Chris, go ahead and let it run out a little bit." Like Jared does. Uh huh. Well, all he could hear was a low rumble of my voice thinking I was talking and the mic wasn't up. So then all of a sudden, in the middle of saying that, you know, the the mic comes up. And so I was was pretty thrown off. Uh, 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 Welcome to the show, (laughs) everyone. Right, right. So, yeah, you know, you normally have that 30 seconds to a minute to kind of get what your thoughts are going to be. Yeah, we flew right through that. So. It was a blessing to have anybody listen to the show after I started. Well, what just happened before this show is that I was playing a sermon on Take Note. Oh, yes. And I knew all about the sermon when I walked in here. It was Pastor Joe Henson. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and, I, and I walked in here, and I went to turn the mic on. I was kind of, I don't know, I said something to these guys about, well, I'm not sure what. And then I went to say, that was a sermon by... Uh, and you I just listened who. to a sermon about uh, what did yeah. you listen to about? Yeah, and so it was one of those deals where I was like, and I had nothing. 
I didn't yeah. have any topic from the Bible. Yeah. I was like, I don't know yep. if it was about sin. I don't know what it was about. <laughs> yep. So anyway, it was we eventually just piped up and said a sermon about the Bible. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was, and then we were laughing <laughs> so hard we had to go just, to a song. Just, it happens. It happens. It's live radio. So anyways, yeah, you're right. So it was a good three three weeks while you were gone. I think I enjoy I enjoyed doing it, but I, that was that was a fun. A well, fun start. The issue there was I saw him talking and I kind of panicked, like, "Oh no, he started!" Yeah. Uh-huh. And then I turned it up, like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh no!" I, I, I thought for sure I'd yep. blown no. it. You know? Yep. <laughs> that yeah. used to happen to me all the time when someone else ran the board and I just all I did was talk. By running the board and talking at the same time, although it is an extra step, at least I have control over how long I have to get myself ready sure. to talk, and so I, I kind of like that part of it. Yeah. So. Plus, then if I run out of things to say, I, I know when I can just go to a song without him say, hey, can you uh, go to a song, please? So anyway, speaking <laughs> of uh, that, let's uh, give credit where credit is due. This little segment's brought to us by Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore, the best little coffee shop on Guam, offering an endless varieties of coffees, teas, baked goods like scones, Christian music, books, gifts, and those largest selection of Yankee Candles. Uh, anywhere that Yankee Candles are sold. I don't think it, it does it have that big of a selection now? Nah, I guess we have five or six. So we might have to. <laughs> <laughs> we have the largest selection of Yankee Candles uh, on campus, except mm-hmm. for the church closet, mm-hmm. which has You're quite right. a few. You're right. So, anyway, I like it a lot. I go there every day. Let's play a little What's My Coffee. We don't have coffee today. The coffee shop closed a little early. They will be open again tonight, 5.30, 6.30. But Jeremy, thinking ahead, provided some treats for us, including this sparkling beverage. It's, uh, it's, I think, it's not carbonated. It, um, It reminds me of that drink I used to get. It was a fruit drink called a Five Alive. It was, um... It was like a multiple tropical fruit uh, punch type drink that we kind of pretended like it was juice, but it was actually more like punch. But this is, I believe, a calamansi drink, right? Oh, yeah. As far as you guys know? Yes. I don't drink it very much because this is a blood sugar. This will definitely shoot your blood sugar up, but it is tasty. It's It's basically a tropical lemonade, limeade type drink. I already had one of these today. Really? So are you telling me my uh, blood sugar is going to be yeah. crazy? Yes. And if if it, if that didn't do it for you, then uh, these cookies and scones. Oh, we could do what's in my scone, Yeah, except yeah. we don't have any info on what is in the scone. I actually have a little oh, card do you? right here. Yeah. Ah. So what does your scone taste like? Um, it's a little wedge. It looks like a little wedge of happiness there. What, what does it taste like? It's pretty good. Mm, I think it's... Cinnamon, Can I see the perhaps? Mm, yeah, could be, could be. Yeah, you had the same kind I had. I was getting a banana, mm, might be a banana. after yeah, flavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not strong, though. Okay. So it was okay. kind of like a cinnamon banana bread mm-hmm. take on a scone. Okay, okay. All right, Sebastian, what about yours? Um, this is just a chocolate scone, man. Chocolate? But I know, oh. but I know Chris is. I think mm-hmm. I've seen it before. Okay, okay, yes. These are all also, by the way, the the scones and uh, cookies, unlike the muffins, the muffins we make here locally, but uh, Patisserie Parisco Bakery provides all these uh, finer quality baked products in our coffee shop. And so 
I'm eating a little bit of a cookie. Just nobody tell my wife or son we're supposed to be on the keto diet. But then I come up here and we're having cookies oh, and yeah. juice. So <laughs> I feel like I'm back in we kindergarten. We will not reveal that. I won't tell her. <clears throat> so these scones are banana Nutella. Banana and oh, Nutella. I was right with the banana. I yep. thought I did. Oh. I knew it was Nutella. And Nutella. 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 And then... Uh, See, but I didn't know what Nutella was, so it would have been yeah. tough. Have you ever had Nutella? It's, it's like an a, almond chocolate or hazelnut, hazelnut. chocolate oh, hazelnut. Uh, spread. Very oh, popular yeah. in Europe mm-hmm. and now in America, and people wow, will right. like buy it by the gallon yes. and just wow. dump it on everything. Yes. You've never had A it? Nutella and banana or peanut butter sandwich is really good. I yeah. might have, but I don't... It's like one of those Ferrer Rocher chocolates like smeared all over a anyway and then uh chocolate coconut is what you're eating mm. actually sebastian i know yeah. it i thought i saw a little coconut on top there mm. and then it's mango mansi so that's why it has this extra tropical flavor it's not just calamansi drink it's mango calamansi and then the cookie is a snickers cookie and it actually has a um uh, dissected snicker. snickers well i think uh, it's just the fun size snickers they oh, just okay. smash into the top of the nice. cookie nice well yeah. hey that's good stuff. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a short break, and we're going to have a little Harvest Highlights. So stick around, listeners. We'll be back after this short break and Harvest Highlights. Then we'll have This Day in History and uh, some fun stuff with Sebastian, Chris, and Lauren. So stick around. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. It's 3.18 p.m. on Friday, March 3rd. This is Live Till 5 on KHMG, Harvest Family Radio. More after this. with a little more live till 5 Friday March 3rd 3:25 p.m. broadcasting from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio here at KHMG 88.1 FM catch us online through khmg.org a number of different ways to listen through our website you can also download archived podcasts all different ways of listening to this show and the other quality programs the other quality programs not just other programs that are better quality, but other quality programs that we produce here at Harvest Family Radio. We love uh, interacting with you any way we can, whether that's through our website, Facebook. We try to upload a podcast version of this through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio, shortly after the show is over. We also rebroadcast the show in its entirety, noon to two Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. Catch us on The Rebound. We do that because we know that many people are not wall-to-wall listeners. And then we also know that we just say some things that are just so funny, you just have to hear it again and again. And so we want you to have a chance to tune in on Saturday. We want you to have a chance to tune in on Sunday night on your way home from church. Some of you might be listening right now to the rebroadcast on Sunday night, heading home from church. Yeah, we plan it that way. 
So, still in studio with me, Sebastian and Lawrence. Chris is coming back. His uh, mango Monsi drink is uh, sweating onto the cork board uh, trivet that is sitting there. So, now uh, we're going to get into this day in history here shortly. Uh, but, Lawrence, are you ready for that? Or you want oh, to yeah. give me another minute? Okay, didn't know. I want to oh, yeah, make we're sure. Good to go okay, all right. Great. Well, let's uh, do a little This Day in History. I've missed this for the last three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, there's not a whole lot in the ancient um, the ancient realm of the of the history time period. Normally, I have a couple things that I share. So we're going to start actually in 1837. Uh, U.S. President Andrew Jackson and Congress recognized the Republic of Texas. Uh, of course, what made this unique is the fact that Texas was why it has the one star there, the Lone Star State. Uh, is because it was represented or, or was recognized as its own republic for a little while. Uh, it will obviously later on join the Union, but at least there in the mid to, or um, early to mid-1800s, uh, it was kind of its own entity for a little bit. Um, 1863, Abraham Lincoln approves charter for National Academy of Sciences. Um, I think that's still around today. I, I haven't done enough research. Um, Rutherford B. Hayes was sworn in today. Um, 1887, Ann Sullivan begins teaching six-year-old, old, six-year-old blind, deaf Helen Keller. Hmm. So interesting that they would even have that in here as a statistic that she started teaching her today. Hmm. But um, anyways, um, 1899, George Dewey becomes first in the U.S. to hold the rank of Admiral of the Navy. Um, this is around the same time. This was the time when um, Teddy Roosevelt was president, and uh, then he was basically making the Navy into a very big thing in the world. I think that's probably why the position was created is the next step. Um, but this is when the Great White Fleet was uh, created and sent around the world as sort of uh, we have a pretty long-reaching arm. Yes, we're the United States, but you probably need to think about uh, respecting the power of our military, especially after the Spanish-American War. 1904, Emperor Wilhelm, or Wilhelm II of Germany, becomes the first person to make a sound recording of a political document using Thomas Edison's cylinder. So I don't know what the document was, and I'm sorry I can't fill you in on more of that information, but it was recorded in 1904. Mm. 910, 1910, whoa. 1910, Rockefeller Foundation, John D. Rockefeller Jr. announces his retirement from managing his business so that he can be developed or devoted full-time to being a philanthropist, which he had the finances to do so. Yep. So uh, not not a bad deal. Yeah, I think they started the Standard Oil Company, I think, <clears throat> is where they made their yes. big bucks. Mm-hmm. Yep. 1934, John Dillinger breaks out of jail using a wooden pistol. Uh, again, there's a lot of intriguing stories today um, that I'm wondering, you know, there'd probably be more to the stories that I probably should share. Uh, I just don't have it off the top of my head all these times. Uh, 1945, Winston Churchill. I just lost my, uh, <laughs> I just lost Winston all my Churchill. notes. Winston Churchill, let's see, yeah. 1945, In 1945, a lot of things middle could have happened. World War II, Winston <laughs> Churchill probably was smoking a cigar. Probably. I don't know what just happened. <laughs> Maybe I pressed barking back, out orders. To I pressed the back button and uh, and lost my Winston lost Churchill note. So that could have been well, 1945. Winston Churchill. Enough Deanna. said. Drop yeah. the mic. Visits Field Marshal <laughs> Montgomery's headquarters. Oh, I know he you did that too. You were about to get out of the car and go into the store, but mm-hmm. we'll, waited. Yep. <laughs> you waited to find out. Uh, so thank you for doing that. Um, last couple things. We'll fill up here, or we'll finish up here. 
1968, Gene Bellevue uh, becomes second NHL to score 1,000 points. Uh, of course, in NHL, assists and um, goals both gain you points. But that's, but that's actually a lot of, a lot of points. Um, 1972, sculpted figures of Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, and Stonewall Jackson are completed on Stone Mountain. You have been there? Uh, no, it's in Georgia, right? Yeah, it's in Atlanta, outside Atlanta. Yeah. It's a very neat monument. <clears throat> it's not Mount Rushmore as far as the um, the size of their faces and things, mm-hmm. but it's the rock itself is a very neat-looking sort of mount, uh, mountain, and then right in the middle you have kind of a scene of those generals yeah. carved down there. Uh, I've seen a video of that. They do like a laser light yeah, show they do. on That's every what I went night, and saw. Right? Yeah. They do laser light. I went down there for the 4th of July one year, um, but and that was pretty amazing. Uh, really, really big show um, and, and a lot of fun. Big old field. You know, you can buy mm-hmm. the the uh, the gifts. Uh, I'm sorry, the um, the different ne- necklaces and, and uh, what are those things? Light sticks that you crack mm-hmm. and it oh, lights yeah. up. Oh, yeah, like glow sticks. Yeah, stick. I don't even yeah. know. I got distracted. Um so this has gone really well so far. Uh, it's okay. Anyways, it's okay. Hey. 1991, L.A. police severely beat motorist Rodney King, captured oh. on amateur video. Uh, ended up becoming one of the things that the defense for um, O.J. Simpson used and, and brought Rodney King up and uh, basically said, if, if you convict him, you, you're ignoring this. That was pretty rough. Oh, boy. 1992, U.S. President George H.W. Bush apologizes for raising taxes after pledging not to. But mm-hmm. No that, new taxes. I yeah. remember he said it. Yeah, right. I was in high school. You were in I high think. school when he said What that. year was that? 1992. Yeah. Oh, no, I was in the Air Force. <laughs> I had already, I graduated. He was, he became president in 1988 while I was in high school, and then he was the president when I joined the Air Force in 1990. Wow. So, yeah. Hmm. And lastly, in 2015, so two whole years ago, under the Dome, quote, a documentary on pollution in China by Che Jing has been viewed over 150 million times <clears throat> in three days on Tencent. I don't know what that is. I'm going to guess it's like a Chinese version of YouTube, but um, that was her documentary on pollution in China, and in three days' time, 150 million views. Wow. Uh, wow. Which, again, when you think about it, is still just a little over about... 12, 13% of the Chinese population, right, but right. still a lot of people. Hmm. Wow. Hey, great. Thanks for that, uh, hit, you know, just kind of a little saunter through history. Yeah, it's usually what it is. It wasn't, they, wasn't a full-blown uh, tango. It was more of just no, a it little... Was, it was a dabbling. Yeah, maybe a little a little history mambo there. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Lawrence, hey, appreciate it, brother. Thank you very much. You heading out? Yeah. Yeah, right. we have a uh, missions conference tonight. Right. But I'm going to go uh, wrap up things in the office and then sure. probably head out. So. Take a nap. Yeah, Come that'd back. be great. <laughs> All right. See you later. We'll thank you very guys. much. <laughs> All right. And uh, listeners, uh, thank you for staying with us through this first hour. It's 3.34 p.m. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we have some idioms to talk about. We have some, uh, well, we have a variety of stuff. We have the buck stops here. We have some stories that are stranger than fiction. Sebastian and I are going to talk a little bit about the difference between rednecks and hillbillies. We have some news. Just a little bit of everything. It's going to be great, and I'm going to tell you all about my trip. So stick around. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host of Live Till 5. It's 3.34 p.m. on Friday, March 30. If you're listening to the live broadcast, catch us on The Rebound noon to 2 on Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. And uh, we'll be back right after this short break. 
And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. It's 3.38 p.m. on Friday, March 3rd. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. I mean, really, seriously, we appreciate it. We wouldn't want to do this if we were just talking to ourselves. We love having people listen and interact. We get texts during the show. Thank you to my uh, good friend Dennis who texted me, said he's listening right now. And Sometimes I'll see on Facebook when I'm not here and someone else is hosting, like Sebastian especially. He's got like a, a small following <laughs> all around the world that tune in and yeah. uh, listen. And he, he's good about uh, letting people know the show's coming on uh, on social media. So maybe we could just have you do that every week for the show no matter what. Okay. Just put it. You know, on the Harvest Family Radio Facebook page, like, hey, Live Till 5 coming on soon. I'll make, like, a fan page, and then, like, I'll oh, promote through there. Like sure. Sebastian fan page. That That's great. <laughs> that's great. Hey, we, we'll, we'll help you, you know, if that if that makes you feel good, then I want you to feel good. <laughs> so we, we will help. So thank you, listeners, though, for tuning in uh, to this show. We've been doing this for 206 episodes. So we've been doing this for four years and the very first episode that I did, uh, I did it. It was the test episode. We didn't broadcast it live because we weren't sure how it was going to go. It was only an hour and a half long. And I had never done a talk radio show myself. I'd been a guest on a number of talk shows uh, here locally and down with one of the local talk radio shows and stuff. And I've been interviewed before, but never had done a talk radio show where you have to carry the conversation. So I photocopied from a magazine people's faces and blew them up to life size and I stuck them on the glass there used to be a window over here on this wall and uh, uh, I put their faces on the glass and then I put a sign in front of me it says smile when you talk or something like that and a smiley face because I had read that you know if you're smiling people can tell that your voice is happier and and so uh, and it, that has proven to be very true and uh, I wanted to, instead of just reading from like my papers, which I had scripted out and everything, I needed to remind myself to be looking at these faces so I could pretend that I am talking to someone. And that was my first experience uh, 205 episodes ago. And uh, I'd like to say we've gotten a little better at it. I don't know for sure if everything has gotten better. Some of it is probably intrinsically only as good as uh, I can do it. So I'm glad that we have other people that get to host for me while I'm gone so you guys can get a taste of uh, other hosts talents like chris like sebastian like lawrence so now sebastian and i were talking he swung by my office the other day and asked about what the topic might be and at the time i had on my mind uh barbecue because i had just come back from the states and i had been down in the ozarks and the ozarks of course are famous for hillbillies i mean the ozarks literally i have the wikipedia definition of hillbillies and the Ozarks are listed as one of the locations they come from and so I just told him let's talk about hillbillies and rednecks a little bit so Sebastian what did you find out about hillbillies and rednecks well honestly I after being over a couple parts of the world I, I can definitely see the hillbillies being uh, more in the hills and isolated kind of people whereas rednecks are um, you take the the rebel flag of a big truck Mountain Dew and country music, and you mix it all together, and you get yourself a redneck. Wow, <laughs> wow. Well, I, I have a definition actually. What, for what's you too. what's a, what's the definition? See, because I think there is a, there is like uh, Sebastian said, there's a location factor to it for hillbillies versus rednecks. Rednecks can be anywhere. But what I said was is that rednecks play banjos, 
and uh, hillbillies play bangers. <laughs> that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, I th- I'd say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. There was there was a, a documentary on History Channel two a year or two ago, and they actually did a whole thing. It was it's one of those shows called How the States Got Their Shapes or something like that. It's a pretty good little series, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the town in I believe it's in West Virginia where they believe the official line of demarcation between rednecks and hillbillies began. Yes. So the people that live in the town, rednecks, the people live outside the town, hillbillies, and there's a river or a creek or creek or whatever that runs between that. uh, That's the official line of demarcation. And they have these gatherings. It's the redneck hillbilly gathering every year where they all get together. But according to Wikipedia, which is always right, term redneck is a derogatory term chiefly used for rural poor white people in the southern united states um and now when i moved to new hampshire i was surrounded by people that called themselves rednecks i I didn't call them that but they called themselves that and they were pretty much um they did drive old pickup trucks and they were able to fix things you know using bailing wire and duct tape and they like to swap they they went to all these swap meets and they'd swap a rototiller for you know two you know two bicycles and a shotgun and and so there's all that they were into dickering uh where you trade things and you bargain about things and they they lived you know they weren't real materialistic and things like that and so they weren't poor and they weren't ignorant they just like to do things kind of you know, their own way, kind of their own rough way. So that was that was my impression of rednecks when I was in New Hampshire. Yeah, I mean, and that's New Hampshire isn't exactly south, but no, not I, at all. And like, I think <clears throat> unless you're in Nova Scotia or something, I don't know how it it played out like this, but I feel like in the south it was probably used as more derogatory. But the people in the north, I don't know, they like admired it. I don't know why, because I had friends. They were like, like, oh yeah, I'm redneck, you know. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like well, yep. You want to be this? I don't yeah. understand. We've had people here, <laughs> you know, friends here on Guam that are they call themselves redneck because they like driving the old rusty old jeeps that they can drive through the mud and everything, and you know they like hunting and fishing and hunting and fishing, not hunting and fishing. <laughs> See, it's happening. It's <laughs> contagious. Hillbillies, according to Wikipedia. It's a term often derogatory for people who dwell in rural mountainous areas of the United States, primarily Appalachia and the Ozarks, the Uwari Mountains, and the Caraway Mountains. Due to its strongly stereotypical connotations, the term can be offensive to those Americans from the Appalachian or Ozark heritage. So, <clears throat> again, I don't know if, um, I guess it depends on who's calling someone a hillbilly. Uh, it's just someone that's from the hills, someone that, you know. I mean, there was a show called The Beverly Hillbillies, and it was all about mountain people that moved to a sophisticated area and, you know, tried to, you know, wash their clothes in the cement pond, try yep. to cook possum, things like that. So, Hey, I've know. eaten roadkill. <clears throat> Have you really? Is that, oh, yeah, absolutely. Were you on the list for, like, the deer or whatever? If, no, if it was a hit? moose, right? In Alaska, okay. we were on the oh, list yeah. for moose. If a moose got hit, you'd go out and... In the middle of the night, usually, mm-hmm. and go salvage the moose. Yes. And there's a lot of uh, good meat on that moose, even yeah, if it's been absolutely. hit by a truck, which right. a lot of times they are. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and you go out and salvage it. And we've eaten a lot of roadkill in our day. And you got to wow. be quick to get it, right? Because otherwise, yeah, you know, you, flies will start getting in it. No, they won't. Not at 40 below zero. 
No. Well, I'm you, sorry you, you left a, that factor out. You have a, <laughs> a frozen, a solid frozen uh, yeah. block of meat, probably. No, it's it's almost always in the winter, and almost always, you know, really cold outside, and because that's that's when you get the get the call, right? Yes. That 3 a.m. Of course. 36 below zero, yep. and yep. you're out there standing on the. Is side it always of the road. like that, Chris? Is it always 36 below zero? Something. In, I mean, in Alaska, yeah. could be always. In the you summer. know what's it like in the summer? It actually uh, in Fairbanks, I have seen 95 degrees in the summer. Whoa. Fairbanks is has the uh, largest temperature span in the world of a major city. Wow. Um, they can get 95 and they can get 55 below zero. <sighs> actually, they had uh, somebody was telling me they had 61 below zero here recently and so, that's without wow. wind chill right that's what you're saying wow. no no wind chill, oh, wind chill, would, wind chill. Yeah. they don't talk about wind chill they don't talk about because that just would depress people <laughs> mad at you i so. don't even they think that's for you know it's kind of for sissies right yeah i mean wind chill yeah. it, yeah, it's just not, it's it's like it's an exaggeration not. of the weather well let's yeah. go back to moose talk here for a second because it's <laughs> a fascinating oh, discussion oh, no. moose talk so uh so i had a friend who bought a car a used car they were driving it back from Massachusetts through yeah. New Hampshire. The yeah. day they bought it, they hit a moose, totaled yeah. the car. Of course. I don't even think it killed the moose. It totaled the car, and it injured the moose badly, and the <laughs> moose had to be put down, but it didn't kill the moose. They were driving a little CRV, I think it was, and they hit that moose, and the moose is so tall, I believe it took out the windshield and the hood and everything. It was it was really bad. They I've can heard go of right motorcyclists, over the top. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of motorcyclists hitting the moose, and getting just knocked off their bike and killed. You know, they had that happen. But my first moose experience was when we moved to New Hampshire. We got there like on a Friday or Saturday. Monday, I pick up the newspaper and it said, Moose falls to its death in Peterborough parking lot. And then you read the story, and basically, a moose had walked off of a retaining wall and fallen about 20 feet into the parking lot of this bank in Peterborough. It was like Peterborough First National Bank. And it, the way they wrote it, though, it made it almost sound like the moose had committed suicide. <laughs> like maybe he had a relationship, you know, breakup with another moose and then just couldn't stand it anymore. But, yeah, so that was my first moose story was actually front page of the if Peterborough you, paper. I One of the first stories I remember from being in Alaska was that a moose had gotten his, um, his um, antlers tangled in at some... Um, some wire that was being strung up on power lines. Hmm. And what had happened was they, they're like a mile down. What they do to get the power lines up off the ground is they use a, some sort of a machine to pull the line up. Well, he got tangled in that, that wire and he had been pulled up off the ground like 30 feet or 40 feet in the air and was hanging there. Oh, wow. In the air. So if you Google that, it was in near Fairbanks, Alaska. Fox, I think, is where it was. You can Google it and see a picture of the moose dangling oh, wow. from the the power lines. And they took him down. He was okay, totally uninjured. <laughs> really? They took him out? But they said he was so traumatized, they wound up having to put him down because wow. he was so disturbed by that experience being 40 feet off the ground. Yeah, that's so unnatural, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. so it was, it was that, that is one of the weirder stories. Yeah. And you would think it's not true. Right. You can Google it. There's several news sources that carried that story. It's Well, you know, amazing. most of the, the continent of the United States had moose 100 years ago. Sure. They say that moose were everywhere. But then in the last 50, 60 years, the moose have been driven farther and farther north and they're, 
you know, they're they're yeah. less places in the United States now in Alaska, New Hampshire, place like that, uh, upstate New York, maybe they have them. Uh, but yeah, it used to be moose were common all across the United States. But you always picture moose as a um, a beautiful, majestic, you know, like a giant deer, and they're handsome. But f- I've had a couple friends uh, tell me that they're actually pretty gross because. In New Hampshire, they live in the swampy areas, and they get covered with ticks and flies. And so, like, when you hit one on the side of the road, you you realize just how smelly they are and how, I mean, they're big, they're wet. When they live in a swampy area during the summertime, you know, everything thaws, and so everything's muddy and swampy. They're just stinky, and they, you know, they're not this big, beautiful, you know, horse-like creature. They're more of a kind of a, a disgusting giant, uh, giant creature that people are repulsed by. <laughs> I'm just saying. You're hurting these moose's feelings. Yes, well, you know. <laughs> Sounds awful about the yeah, moose. Yeah. So we have a couple minutes to wrap up this hour. I do have a couple things, including the uh, March holidays, but I didn't want to not give Sebastian a chance to. Uh, do you have any other redneck or hillbilly stories? Well, I mean. I grew up, you know, kind of in the redneck home for a little bit. Yeah. And um, I think one one of the most redneck, like rednecks can be referred to as like resourceful, you know? So, uh, you know, they'll do things that wouldn't really seem like the normal thing to do, but it works, you know? Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. Uh, my my stepdad, he had like decided that he wanted a a some sort of hole in the wall for like, you know, like a countertop. Mm-hmm. And so he just took his chainsaw yep. and just cut right into it without. Yep. yep. It, 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 I don't think you'll ever find like a straight piece of work. From, from right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So, I mean, but. He actually used a chainsaw in the house. Yes. Oh, yeah. To cut a hole in the wall. Yep. And uh, and everything is, everything in that, that house is just, everything is wood. Like the yep. walls is like, got to gotta cover it in wood, you know. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Yeah. Um, what state is that? This was in northern Illinois. Yeah. See, so, so that's not even. That's where you Rural. saw the wolf. Rural. That's where you saw the wolf. So yes, the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, my family we are uh, one quarter uh, redneck and uh, one sixteenth Native American. So we have we actually have all those ethnicities blended into our. We do actually wow. have some of that in our blood. Redneck. My cousins live in southern Missouri instead of Missouri, and uh, hunting and fishing, and yeah, that's like a way of life. They just love it. They love. You know, they just love being outside, and they they like taking care of horses and having a garden and farms. And you know, they're smart people. They're hardworking people. They don't really have much uh, tolerance for city stuff. And yeah, you know, I we, just we knew a guy from Missouri. His name was Ozark Dan. That's oh, what he really? Called. Seriously, <laughs> it's Ozark Dan. Wow. And he would hunt, come up hunting and trapping in Alaska. Um, he was a gunsmith by trade and oh wow and he was one of our uh you know regular call-ins we used to have this show on the radio that uh if your friends lived out in the bush and they didn't have a telephone you could call into the radio station and leave them a message and so what would happen is they would call in ozark dan would call in and he would send a message out to uh mike and fran turner out on the cantishna river (laughs) wow and he'd say this is ozark dan and he would uh give the messages about what he wanted to tell, whatever he wanted to tell him, usually he was making a gun or yep. he'd gone hunting or gone fishing. And yeah, my wife would tell him he's a great, great guy, but uh, 
Yeah, his name's Ozark, Ozark Dan. Dan. He, he came up and visited a couple yep. times, and it was yep. good stuff. Well, uh, I took my nephew. He's 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 a just a touch redneck um, on his mom's side. They're not listening, so I can say this. <laughs> so when I was in the states, I had a afternoon free before this conference started a couple weeks ago, and I asked him if he had ever been to a coffee shop of any kind. He's like, no. I said, he's 16 years old, just turned 16 yesterday. And so I said, let me take you out for your first cup of coffee. So I took him to Starbucks and I ordered him. I got a hot Americano. Then I got him. They have this um, smoky, toasted chestnut drink, you know, latte type drink. We sit down and I was trying to teach him how to drink it without scrunching up his face and... (laughs) you know saying ooh and things like that and i was trying to give him some tips you know hey if you ever bring a young lady to starbucks this is what you order and this is how you drink it and you know i said you're drinking basically the girl's drink right now (laughs) i'm drinking (laughs) the man's drink and i was just kind of teasing him but anyway he you know he's a little bit redneck he's like he never had thought about even going to starbucks he thought that's what he said that uh older ladies go to Starbucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not true. We walked in and he had these, um, he had these jogger pants on that like had flames on them and they're like faded flames. And so this old guy, literally we walk into Starbucks, this old guy walks up and goes, Hey, it looks like your pants are faded. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh, this is not going to help his impression of Starbucks at all. But yeah, I was trying to just bring a little extra culture into his life. It's true that older ladies do go there and hipsters. They do. Hipsters and old ladies. Hipsters have almost become too good for Starbucks. Hipsters have to go to hipster coffee shops. Oh yeah. That's probably where they, you know, where it's all, you know, it has to be, I don't know. Everyone has to have a man bun to be able to work there and things like that. So I think hipsters could be a weird hybrid. Yeah. You know? it, yeah. Hipsters are kind lumberjack. of like redneck, yeah. like city rednecks. That's true. That's kind of true. Are. Because hipsters are supposedly identified by not caring what anyone thinks, which is curious <laughs> because why do all hipsters seem to dress alike if they don't really care what people yes. think? Why are they? Why do they care what people think? I mean, if a hipster really didn't care, where did the man bun come from? And why are there so many of them? Why do they wear flannel like all flannel, the time? Flannel, you know? even in the summertime. And those skinny jeans and pointy-toed boots. Come on, people. I hope there's not hipsters anyway, listening. No, I'm we sure don't there's hate not. Them or anything. No, no, we love hipsters. And, and I probably have, you know. <laughs> we got a coffee shop here. <laughs> yeah. No, hipsters are great people, I'm sure. And it, it's it's really more of a, a joke than anything. Hipsters Just like Redneck or Hillbilly. People, I'm sure. <laughs> We're, we're, we're totally... It makes it worse, doesn't it? If oh, you say, boy. I'm sure there are great people. I don't know. What I do don't you, know too many people? hipsters, yeah, to be yeah. honest. No, it's a, it's, I think it's just a, all these things. We joke because they're stereotypes. They're not actually real lines of demarcation. They're more just overgeneralization, satirical explanations of why people do things differently. And on Guam, there doesn't seem to be a large population of hipsters that I have seen no. myself. No. But, uh, I mean, it's not like Portland, Seattle, yeah. where, I, where I've spent time in my days. And, right. Or right. even New York City or any of these places. Right. It's, a, it's a style as much as it is a uh, lifestyle choice. It's more of just styles. And so sometimes we identify people by the style they choose because we see them. But, yes. you know, they're good people, so I'm sure, as are all of our listeners. <laughs> and so, uh, you know what? It's at the top of the hour. So, Sebastian, what are you doing this weekend? 
oh man, I'm gonna go to the beach tomorrow. You are I'm great. Go to oh, down to the one to four o'clock down at uh, if I get a ride, yeah, the Porter Port Authority <laughs> Beach. Excellent, excellent. All right, Chris, what are you doing this weekend? I think I'm doing that as well, and then just the last day of the missions conference on Sunday, and I don't know. I don't know that much else. Yeah, so recover. Tonight, Monday is supposed conference. to be kind of a day off. I know you guys got to probably do some very basic things, maybe. Sebastian will be here for 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Or so. And that's it? You guys can get the rest of the day off? Uh, I might Try be here him. a little longer. Okay, okay. But, uh, maybe more than 20 minutes, but we'll see. All right, well. We'll see what I can get done today. Try to get some time off. So. Yeah. And Chris, are you going to come back with some news after the top of the hour? Yes, I can. Awesome. Great. We're going to take a short break then for the SRN News. Thanks, Sebastian. We'll see you at the beach. Yes. All right. And listeners, thanks for staying tuned. It's been a fun first hour. It's 3.59 p.m. on Friday, March 3rd. This is Live Till 5 here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam. Stick around for SRN News, followed by our second hour of Live Till 5. Back with the second hour of Live Till 5. It's 4.04 p.m. on Friday, March 3rd. I was in Hawaii this time last week, visiting Hanalani Schools. It was a great, great little tour. Nice people there. Stayed with good friends, Charles and Raina. And uh, got to enjoy a little bit of the beautiful Hawaii weather. It was actually cold there. I froze to death at night. It was in the low 60s, I believe, at night. So, anyway little bumper music uh, segue there. It is the month of March. And although I neglected to go through this in the first hour, I will get us caught up now. March, first off, did you know the year 2017 is the year of sustainable tourism for development? I did not know that. I also didn't know that uh, monthly holidays and observances. March is Academy Awards Month, Adopt a Rescued Guinea Pig Month, Alport Syndrome Awareness Month, American Diabetes Alert Month, Bell Pepper and Broccoli Month, Berries and Cherries, Brain Injury Awareness, Child Life, Colic Awareness, Colorectal Cancer Education and Awareness, Credit Education, Deaf History, Deep Vein Thrombosis Awareness, Dolphin Awareness, Employee Spirit, Exotic Winter Fruit and Leeks and Green Onions Month, Expanding Girls Horizon in Science and Engineering Month, Hemophilia, Honor Society Awareness, Humorous or Artists, and International Ideas Month, to name a few. Then there are some special weekly holidays and observances, including this week is Celebrate Your Name Week. It's also the Iditarod Race starts on March 4th, uh, 2017. International Festival of Owls is going on right now. Jewish Book Week is ending this weekend. Lent 
began on Ash Wednesday, March 1st. National Cheerleading Week is this week. Um, I'm actually giving up cheerleading for Lent. Uh, National Consumer Protection Week starts this weekend. National Day of Unplugging. That's sundown of March 3rd to sundown of March 4th. It's the first Friday, Saturday of the month. Sounds like a great idea. National Dental Assistant Recognition Week starts this weekend. National Ghost Riders Week is uh, underway. National Groundwater Awareness Week, March 5th through the 11th. Invasive Species Awareness Week, February 27th to March 3rd. So it's ending right now. National Pet Sitters Week is March 1st through 7th. And National Procrastination Week, March 5th through the 11th. They were going to have it the first week, but they decided to hold it off till the second week. See what I did there? It's uh, actually play on the whole procrastination. Anyway, um, then daily holidays and observances for today, March 3rd, dress in blue day. I wish I would have known that. Employee appreciation day. I want you to be happy day. If pets had thumbs day, I have no idea what that is. International ear care day, national anthem day, national cold cuts day, national muffled, uh, let's see, national salesperson day, national Navy reserves Birthday, Peach Blossom Day, Shabbat Across America, Simplify Your Life, World Day of Prayer, and World Wildlife Day are all happening right now, where America's obscure holidays begin. Now, I'm joined again by Chris Harper, all-around good guy, station manager, and our local newscaster. He's the anchorman for Harvest Family Radio News, HFRN. Right. This is mostly SRN news that I'm pulling from so here since yeah. we're an affiliate of SRN news. Yep. But um, so they wrote this news, but uh, but I'm just reading it. I'm more of a news reader okay. and a news aggregator in this particular. Nothing wrong with that. This particular instance. We don't but, we don't expect the person at Baskin Robbins to milk the cow. We just expect them to scoop up the ice cream. <laughs> oh, good. That's the best part. Right, so there you well, go. I um, I do want to uh, give you this first story um, that's going to sound like a political story to start off with, but I don't really see it that way. The way that I see it is a social media story, and I'll clarify that as we go along here. But Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill was one of many Democrats taking umbrage Thursday at the revelation that Attorney General Jeff Sessions had twice met with the Russian ambassador to the U.S. during last year's presidential campaign. If you've been following any of the SRN newscast here or any other newscast, you've heard about this. Um, during a furor over the country's alleged interference in the election, that he misled his colleagues about it during his confirmation hearing. So this is what people are upset about. But she went too far when she said she had had no similar contacts in the decade she had been, like Sessions, a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, because that's why he's saying that he would have met with these people. In a statement, McCaskill said, I've been to the Senate, I've been on the Senate Armed Services Committee for 10 years, and in that time have had no call from or meeting with a Russian ambassador ever. That's because ambassadors call members of the Foreign Relations Committee. Attorney General Sessions should resign. Here's the problem. <laughs> In her own Twitter feed, 
McCaskill recorded two such contacts in recent years. The first on January 30th, 2013, when she said, off to a meeting with the Russian ambassador. Upset about the arbitrary slash cruel decision to end all U.S. adoptions, even those in process. And then on August 6, 2015, she tweeted, Today calls with the British, Russian, and German ambassadors regarding the Iran deal. Hashtag doing my homework. A few hours after she had issued the statement, uh, the original statement regarding never having met with a Russian ambassador, McCaskill backed off a bit by qualifying her assertion in another tweet. Again, as a senior member of the armed services, I've never received a call request from a Russian ambassador for a meeting, never a one-on-one meeting with him. Mm. So, I, I, again, that sounds a little bit like a political story, but to me, it's more of a social media story. Yeah, absolutely. Your tracks are uh, a little more public now, the right. things you do, especially right. if you're commenting regularly on where you've gone, what you've right. been doing, how your day has been, that sort of thing. So um, this was pretty easy for the reporters to get to the bottom of, of whether this was true or not, and her own words failed her here so it's kind of a lesson to us yeah there i mean there are reporters that are assigned just to cover so that's from my home state claire mccaskill i think actually we're we are like distant relatives if i'm not mistaken but the we there are people that all they do is report on what claire mccaskill does and so she used to be the mayor of Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So you have people, they just follow what she does every day. So if she makes some type of absolute statement, it would be very easy yeah. for people that have been following her to know whether or not that that actually happened or didn't. So, right. yeah, it right. seems it's like a, a, a foolish thing. And then to call for Jeff Sessions' resignation is... a. Such an exaggeration. That was a, that was a little. It was a little rich in that in that particular instance. Um, this is another. Uh, this this is um, uh, another. A couple of items here that are close to home um, around our, our island. A little bit. Malaysia has condemned the use of VX, the super toxic nerve agent that killed the estranged half brother of North Korean leader Kim Jong Un in the Kuala Lumpur airport last month. Authorities on Friday prepared to deport a North Korean suspect in the case. Kim Jong-nam was murdered on February 13th at the Kuala Lumpur International Airport when he was assaulted by two women who allegedly smeared his face with VX, a chemical classified by the United Nations as a weapon of mass destruction. So that's been on all the the news as well, but of course, big news in North Korea. When I was in the States last week, um, I was listening to a news broadcast and they were, there were some reports that um, these people that, that put the nerve agent on him, they thought that they were in a reality show, which if that proves to be true, that'd be very interesting. I don't know if we're going to get the whole story coming out of, um, you know, these, you know, North Korea and things like that, but that they were told they were on a reality show and they were going to be filmed for doing this crazy, you know, thing like running up and, and getting this guy in the face with this stuff. And it's supposed to look like they're poisoning him, you know, and it's a wow. it's a big. So it, time will tell. Hopefully we'll get the whole story on that. But, it was, of course, that was talked about a lot while I was traveling around. 
There's been some new research about uh, Indonesia, and Indonesians, uh, by turns, are shocked and bemused by Donald Trump's volatile presidency. Many in the world's most popular Muslim nations say that his personality and actions, including his controversial travel ban, haven't changed their positive view of the United States. There is a reservoir of goodwill in Indonesia toward the U.S., which Indonesians often see as a beacon for values they hope will flourish in their own country. Perceptions were particularly positive during Barack Obama's administration because of Obama's personal links to Indonesia and his efforts to heal divisions with the Muslim world. So I just thought that was an interesting uh, note about a nation that's not too far from Mm. us, really. Spotify said on Thursday... It has reached 50 million paid subscribers. I was interested in this for the radio aspects of it and then also just the the uh, web aspects of it. Growing 25% in less than six months and extending the Swedish music streaming services lead over its closest rival, Apple Music. Spotify, which had not shown a profit as it uh, spends and grows internationally, is considering a potential U.S. stock market listing, according to a February TechCrunch report. The Stockholm-based company announced a major expansion in New York in February. Spotify, one of Europe's most highly valued venture-backed startups, will move its New York office to the World Trade Center from the midtown area of Manhattan, adding about 1,000 new jobs, Launched in 2008, Spotify had 40 million paid subscribers in just September. Apple, which launched its music service less than two years ago, had about 20 million subscribers in December. A couple of things just to note about that, and that is that a lot of people don't know that web companies, even the biggest of the big web companies, a lot of them uh, don't make any money at all. They have no profits wow. of any sort, like a company like Spotify. right. right. They have no profits. They're totally venture-backed. Um, uh, Facebook is now making some profit, obviously. And, and and I don't know that Twitter is at the moment either. But uh, a lot of people think, oh, they're big, huge companies that make a lot of profit. But that actually is not true right. in the web in a lot of cases. But the other thing is, is just the, the growth of the online uh, areas for audio content and things of that nature. But yeah, so there wow. you go. Yeah, I remember... Was it 10, 12 years ago? The big thing was Napster and illegal, basically listening to music that had been illegally uploaded to this site. Sure. And I'm sure there are still a lot of sites like that, but uh, it's, it's, uh, they got sued, I believe, and they ended up having to be shut down. There's an unbelievable amount of licenses that you have to have that we have to have here. I mean, right. we, we spend right. thousands of dollars just for the minimum fees on most right. of the, and we licenses. don't do a lot of, commercial like uh uh i'm sure that stations where they play top 40 music that is uh, very commercially driven i'm sure it's even more yeah ours is inexpensive compared to the commercial alternative right right, yeah Um, but you do have to pay for the online music fees we you know we pay like a a rate for um like the the lowest allowable rate because we have a low number of people who listen to our stream. We pay for all the different music license companies and, and there's uh, it's an expensive thing to do to provide music 
um, streaming via the web. Sure, sure. Very expensive. So it's so they have large costs, but then um, they're even though they have that many subscribers, still not quite making a profit. Wow. Well, still not making a profit. Could be their choice of rental location. I mean, to move into the World Trade Center, I wonder how much that yeah, cost them. You know, that's they true. were in Midtown Manhattan. You'd think if you really want to turn a profit, you'd go to Nebraska or someplace like that, since you don't have to be in New York to offer, a, you know, online music services. But maybe the deal, you, maybe the deals that they make with artists and things like that take place in New York. Put them right I mean, there. I yeah, sure, yeah. sure, sure. It's an interesting industry that I don't know much about. But all right, Chris. Well, thanks. Uh, I hope you have a good weekend at the beach. Don't get sunburned. Try not to. And. Uh, yeah, and all the kids all well. I haven't seen your kids since I've been back, so I think so. Feeling I, think, okay? I think everybody, I think everybody's feeling okay. Yeah, mom Good. was sick here for a few days, but uh, but I think everybody's getting back to normal. All right. So. Well, I hope you get a little extra time off this weekend. So thanks a lot Appreciate for your help. It. All right, and listeners, uh, you know what? Before we go to a break, I want to go to one of my favorite segments that I haven't got to do in three weeks. It's called. The buck stops here. Words of wisdom from the desks and walls of successful Americans, whether they be politicians, celebrities, theologians, heads of state, barons of industry. This man was the chairman of the board and majority shareholder of Hallmark Cards the world's largest greeting card manufacturer and one of the world's largest privately held companies from my hometown, Kansas City. He was one of the three children of Joyce Hall. His name's Donald Hall. Started selling greeting cards out of Kansas City's YMCA at the age of 15, subsequently founded Hallmark Cards, which quickly grew into a major corporation. During Hall's tenure as the head of Hallmark, he expanded the company into both crayons, buying Crayola products, and television. Uh, Hallmark Entertainment. Hallmark's greeting cards operation also began consistently to account for more than half of all greeting cards sold in the United States. He's one of Kansas City's billionaires, and the Hall Family Foundation, which he founded, is one of the largest philanthropic organizations in the United States. Got to visit a museum at Christmas that he helped fund, and this is the little sign he had on his desk. The enemy of better is best. The enemy of better is best. Donald J. Hall. And that's the buck stops here. I always think it's interesting to see what motivates people. What what types of things do people use to to kind of keep the goal ahead of them? And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about my trip here towards the end of the show. But I got to hear some great quotes from people and some good terms I think you'll enjoy as a Christian those Christians listening out there want to share one or two little lessons I learned along my journeys, all my travels. So, But first, what I think I want to do is I want to take a short break. When we come back, got a number of fun things to talk about, including some Stranger Than Fiction. The idiom game, I have a number of idioms to talk about, and then my trip. So stick around. This is Live Till 5. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Episode 206, 421 p.m. on Friday, March 3rd, if you're listening live Catch us on the rebound, noon to two Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. If you miss any part of the show, you can also go to khmg.org. There's a lot of different ways you can listen there. So stick around a little more live till five after this short break.
And we're back with it a little more live till 5, 4.27 p.m. on Friday, March 3rd. Jared Baldwin, your host, here in the studios. Broadcasting from high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries. Looking out across a mostly vacated campus because school got out early today for the observance of the holiday formerly known as Discovery Day. I believe we also have Monday off of school. So this place is a little bit of a ghost town right now, but uh, Tomorrow Heritage Day, they had our special Tomorrow Fiesta today and fundraiser for the high school students and a fun day for the kids. And uh, everyone got to go home a little early, which is good because we have our missions conference tonight. And from 7 to 8.30 p.m., we encourage you to come visit us. Got some great preaching happening this week, encouraging people to give their lives in service for the Lord. Whatever that means for you, however God burdens you, might be as simple as Mark Kittrell said, offering a cold cup of water to someone, to actually going to the mission field and everything in between. So if you come tonight, 7 to 8.30 p.m. at the Harvest Baptist Church Auditorium, you'll be able to hear some great preaching. I believe Pete Blake will be preaching tonight. He's an Australian missionary and good friend. And then Sunday, it continues, Sunday morning, our, our Adult Bible Fellowship Hour, our Sunday morning worship hour, and our Sunday evening service are all missions conference related. And then Sunday evening after the service, we have a little dessert fellowship. So we encourage you to come visit us for that. All the dessert you care to bring, actually, because it's kind of a dessert potluck. So we encourage everyone to bring a little bit. So, been gone a couple weeks. Didn't get to talk about idioms with you. But uh, I wanted to talk about a few idioms here. These are some that you hear people say things. Chris and I were talking about some British idioms earlier. And uh, it was funny because in church, Pete Blake yesterday said in Australia, they have a term that even blind Freddie could see that coming. And uh, that made us all laugh. So here are some idioms that sometimes you might know what they mean, but you have no idea where they came from. You don't know exactly what they're referring to. People that grow up not speaking English as their first language, sometimes they learn idioms and they really don't have any context. So let me fill in a few blanks for you. That is an idiom, by the way. Nose out of joint. Peculiar thing about this expression is that your nose doesn't have a joint. It has a funny sound. It has funny sounding stuff like the infra, infra tip lobule upper lateral cartilage pyriform aperture medial. You know what I mean. But it does not have a joint. People in England knew that knew that in the 1580s when the saying was first used, but they used it anyway. It means to be angry because your plans are spoiled or because somebody has taken something away from you or done something to you that you don't like. Maybe another person got part of what you, the part you wanted in the play or stole away your best friend, got a higher grade on a final exam. That might hurt a lot, almost as much as if someone had punched you in the nose and put it out of joint means to be angry or jealous or annoyed at someone. How about not your cup of tea? In Britain, tea has been an extremely popular drink since the mid-1700s. Even now, many English people have a cup of tea every mid-afternoon. And there are many different flavors to choose from. In the late 1800s, people in England started saying that, that, saying that something they liked was their cup of tea. Later, probably in the 1920s, the expression took on its present meaning, kind of the opposite not your cup of tea means not what one likes or prefers, not suitable, not to your taste. 
Nothing new under the sun. This expression was more fitting when it first appeared in the Bible than amazing scientific discoveries weren't being announced almost every day. Today you learn about new things in the world under the sun all the time. This saying can also be used when you see something that's supposed to be new, but it's really a variation of something old. Everything's just a little different, but pretty much the same as an earlier invention. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing to sneeze at. In the early 1800s, people were already using this saying. People, perhaps it comes from the idea of turning your nose up at something or someone to express scorn or contempt. Since sneezes come from your nose, something that's not to be sneezed at should be treated as important and worthy. Nothing to be sneezed at. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. This old proverb states a common sense truth. If you don't make an effort, even though you may be risking failure, you will never reach your goal. Nothing risked or dared, ventured, nothing attained or gained. Nutty is a fruitcake. And I happen to have some fruitcake information here for you. This widely used saying originated in America in the late 1920s. Nutty was slang for crazy. A nut was an eccentric person who seemed abnormal in the way he or she appeared or dressed. Fruitcakes are made with plenty of nuts. So if a person is as nutty as a fruitcake, they're really strange. Speaking of fruitcakes, I'm glad you mentioned that. I had some fruitcake this week. And I know that sounds so off-season, right? But... uh I was at the College of the Ozarks, and at the College of the Ozarks, they make $1 million a year worth of fruitcakes. And those fruitcakes, they send to people all around the world. And they gave me one, a two-pounder, as a matter of fact. And I had to mail it back to myself because it made my suitcase too heavy. But this fruitcake, what they did is they had a secretary, I believe, that worked for... Dr. Good, the president of College of the Ozarks back in the 1950s, I believe they said. And her fruitcakes were good. Now, Dr. Good said that he didn't even really like fruitcake, but he liked that one. And that's how a lot of people are. You know, they're kind of fruitcake has a stereotype, so a lot of people don't like it. But every once in a while, you might find one that you can tolerate or you might like. And so he had this lady make a few extra to give to donors. And then the next year it was more and more. And now, $1 million worth of fruitcakes a year in their Campus Industries Bakery, and they give them away as gifts, and then they sell them. So they gave me one. I brought it to the office, and it was gone in about two days. Everyone ate it. Everyone, even non-fruitcake people, at least acknowledged that it was not offensive. It might not be their favorite thing, but uh, not too bad. So, Here's some fruitcake facts since we said nutty is a fruitcake. Fruitcakes date back at least to Roman times. The Romans mixed pine nuts, barley mash, pomegranate seeds, raisins, and honeyed wine and shaped it into a cake that they called a satura. Fittingly, the word satire, literal, a literary device that Romans invented, derived from the cake, a mix of many ingredients, both sour and sweet, according to the New York Times. Interesting. The price of sugar might have affected how many fruitcakes were out there. It wasn't until the 16th century that fruitcakes really started to become a thing. In his 2002 article, A Short History of Fruitcake, for the Village Voice, Robert Seitzema blamed the fruitcake plague on the inexpensive sugar that came from Europe, came to Europe from the colonies in the 1500s. So basically, having so much sugar-laced fruit engendered the need to dispose of it some way, thus the fruitcake. 
By the early 19th century, the typical recipe was heavy as lead with citrus peel, pineapples, plums, dates, pears, and cherries. And it is baked with some serious heft, according to this article from Mental Floss. Uh, let's see. Fruitcake, he com- this previous author compared it to lead. But according to the Harper's Index, the ratio of density of the average fruitcake to the density of mahogany is one to one. Another fun Harper's Index fruitcake back aged in years of a piece of wedding fruitcake on display in Grover Cleveland's birthplace in Caldwell, New Jersey is 106. So fruitcake weighs as much as a piece of mahogany. So cubic inch for cubic inch. Fruitcake has long been a special occasion food for British royalty. Speaking of wedding fruitcake in Victoria, England... It became all the rage. Fruitcake also became a mainstay at Christmas time and other special occasions. For her own wedding to Prince Albert, Queen Victoria served a single layer plum cake. She also supposedly waited an entire year to eat a slice on her birthday of her birthday fruitcake in an effort to show uh, how much she liked it, basically. It can theoretically, and speaking of longevity, it can last up to 25 years. Fruitcake can age 25 years and still be eaten and enjoyed as long as it contains the proper preservatives and is stored in an airtight container. That's according to the Christian Science Monitor. Uh, and then there's a number of other things about fruitcakes here. Let's see if there's any. Fruitcake has traveled to space. Pineapple fruitcake was, now that sounds good, pineapple fruitcake was brought along the Apollo 11 space mission. But it wasn't sitting cozily in Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin's bellies when they became the first humans to walk on the moon. The fruitcake is currently on display at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum in Washington, D.C. Because according to the museum's website, as it was not consumed during the mission, it was returned to Earth. Uh, Let's see here. Somewhere along the line, fruitcake became a holiday joke. You know, people say that they hate fruitcake and they kind of make fun of it. But there is allegedly some tasty fruitcakes out there and you just got to kind of look around and be open-minded don't mistake fruitcake for a rum cake i remember as a kid i had a bite of rum cake and that is pretty uh strong uh soaked in liquor i think is what helps preserve everything this is fruitcake does not necessarily have liquor in it the one that i gave to the whole office i hope didn't And, uh, you know, there's the fruitcake capital of the world to wrap this up. Claxton, Georgia, home of two bakeries, Claxton Bakery and Georgia Fruitcake Company, each year yield more than 4 million pounds of fruitcake. They call call themselves the fruitcake capital of the world, despite the same claim made by Corsicania, Texas, where Collins Street Bakery and uh, Bob McNutt are from. Disputed claim hasn't stopped Claxton from declaring itself the fruitcake capital of the world on its water tower. Interesting. So, that's fruitcake. How many of you like fruitcake? Do any of you like fruitcake? Do you have like a special recipe or maybe it's your grandmother's fruitcake? Or... I think we used to get some fruitcake from some of those um, blue-haired ladies that went to my grandmother's beauty shop. My grandmother had a uh, uh, hairdressing salon, basically, and she owned her own salon. And then um, some of her clients that she had for a very long time they over time became uh, just lifelong friends. And so even when my grandma sold her salon, she moved to work for another salon for a while. Those customers followed her. And eventually she turned her back bedroom into a salon. And she had that same dozen customers that would come and let her do their hair all the way until they were very elderly. 
I called them the sweet little blue-haired ladies because many of them had a little blue tint, kind of a purplish blue tint back then to their hair. And I think that was uh, probably necessary at the time. So anyway, I got some fruitcake from them. Maybe that's why I have a relatively positive, you know, somewhat positive impression of fruitcake. But, you know, what? we're going to take a short break. When we come back, I have a few Stranger Than Fiction stories. I want to tell you a little bit about my trip and uh, wrap up the second hour with you. So this is Live Till 5. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Episode 206, Friday, March 3rd, 4.39 p.m. Catch us on The Rebound, noon to 2, Saturday, 7 and 9 p.m. Sunday night, or go to khmg.org and listen to the podcast. More Live Till 5 after this. Back with a little more live till five. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. 444 on Friday, March 3rd. If you're listening to the live broadcast, a few stranger than fiction stories. Uh, first, I have a story that was listener submitted by KK. KK, thank you very much. I appreciate this. Send me this story earlier this week, and you as well can send stories to me at any time. If you know me personally, you can send me something on Facebook, Facebook Messenger, to my personal account, Jared Baldwin, or you can look up Harvest Family Radio, send us a a story through that. You can email me through khmg at hbcguam.net. You can follow me on Twitter, Guam Fun Runner, among other ways, or you can just print it up and hand it to me if you like. This story here from Fox News. At first glance, the round white bag looks unremarkable, even a little battered, with a lengthy tear on the bottom, reports the Houston Chronicle. But now it's the official gem of Nancy Lee Carlson's collection and her space memorabilia. After a year-long legal battle, a judge ruled that the bag used by Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin to store rocks on their Apollo 11 mission belongs to Carlson, not NASA. The agency inadvertently sold the bag in a government auction, and Carlson of Inverness, Illinois, picked it up for $995, a steal considering NASA officials describe it as a priceless national treasure still containing lunar dust, reports the Chicago Tribune. Says Carlson's lawyer, it's what every collector wants. The bag was initially stolen from the Space Museum in Kansas, but seized and handed over to NASA. NASA, however, apparently mistook it for another space bag with no trace of moon dust, and it was inadvertently put up for auction February 2015. Carlson sent it to the Johnson Space Center for testing, for which NASA officials realized what had happened and refused to return it. Federal judge on Friday ruled that it was illegal per the collect, per collect space, and Carlson took possession of the bag on Monday. So now she has it under protection of a security company because it is somewhat priceless well at least $995 invested return on investment priceless you know what NASA though they lose a lot of stuff I pulled up an article 
I saw a documentary about NASA's lost tapes. Some of the original footage of the lunar landing missing. They disappeared. They think maybe they got erased. Here's another article from December 9th, 2011. NASA has lost hundreds of its moon rocks, new report says. NASA has lost or misplaced more than 500 of the moon rocks its Apollo astronauts collected and brought back to Earth, according to the new agency report. The agency reported that 517 missing moon rock samples, even more of these precious materials may have gone astray, according to the report. Basically, they go on to say how many and how this actually happened. But from 1969 to 1972, 12 astronauts landed on the moon during the agency's Apollo program. A total of 842 pounds, or 328 kilos, 382 kilos, of lunar rock and soil came back with these astronauts over the course of six moon landings. And with all of that, NASA has misplaced or lost or had stolen over 500 lunar rocks and lunar rock samples. So thank you, KK, for the story. Here's a couple other interesting stories since I just was on a lot of different flights I thought this one was interesting. A mouse caused a big delay for a flight from London to San Francisco, forcing passengers to switch aircraft after a tiny stowaway was discovered. The mouse was spotted scurrying under the door aboard British Airway Flight 285 at London's Heathrow Airport on Wednesday as passengers were buckled up for departure, a passenger told San Francisco Television, KGO. This forced them to switch aircraft and endure a four-hour delay. Now, of course, they don't want mice on the plane because mice have been known to chew through wires and things like that and of course that could be a fatal mistake now here's a great story who says that procrastination doesn't pay off this guy hit his snooze button and because he hit his snooze button it saved his life uh the decision to hit his snooze button saved his life. This is in Austin, Indiana. The Indiana man's decision to press the snooze button may have very well saved his life. The article goes on to say, that decision prevented him from getting impaled by a tree branch that crashed through his roof as severe storms moved across the state that morning. He said, I drifted off to sleep, and literally two minutes later, the limb came crashing through. If I had gotten up, I would have been right in that spot, most likely brushing my teeth. And there's a picture of this limb that had fallen from a tree uh, tree branch 40 feet above his house, went straight through like a spear right into the spot where he would have been brushing his teeth. So I say to you, if you feel prompted to hit your snooze button, it might just be, you know, uh, the safe choice. Here's another stranger than fiction, because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction. An American that claims to be the rightful heir of the throne plans to overthrow Prince Charles. It's a guy out of Colorado. And uh, the story, basically, American claims to be the descendant of the last king of Wales, has vowed to return to Britain and overthrow Prince Charles as the heir of the throne. He's been running some articles and things. Alan Verno Evans, 55, placed an ad in the Times of London on Tuesday, claiming he is the rightful heir to the throne and will launch a bid for his royal historical estate in just 30 days. The Colorado man says he has traced an unbroken line uh, to the succession belonging to the firstborn child back to the third century. He claims to be a descendant of Cunetta, an early Welsh leader of the fifth century, who, according to legend, was sent to the region to stop Irish and picked incursions. And so he ran a big article in the Times there in London, 
and uh, basically he he wants to take ownership of his historic royal estate. Interesting. I doubt that's going to go anywhere. Japanese men hold competition to celebrate baldness. I'm not even going to read the article. I just like the title of that, that there's actually a story uh, with Reuters under their oddly enough section, Japanese men hold competition to celebrate baldness. I'll just give you one quote. My head still hurts. I think I need to ice it. And that's one quote from it. Two other quick ones, and we'll take a short break, come back, and I'll... uh... Actually, you know what? I'm going to hold off on some of this because I really want to take some time. Next week, we're going to talk about barbecue because while I was traveling through the States, I was in Missouri. I was in the Ozarks of Missouri. I was in Iowa. I was in Wisconsin. And I was in South Carolina and Hawaii. And I had barbecue in almost every one of those locations. Um... And then during Christmas break, I had barbecue in a lot of different locations as well. And I must say, I love barbecue. And so I want to talk about barbecue next week. If you have any barbecue stories, you can submit them through our Facebook page, Harvest Family Radio. Love to hear from you. What's your favorite kind of barbecue? Where are you from? What do you think? What location do you think has superior barbecue? So I think what I want to do right now is I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, I want to tell you a little bit about my trip and then invite you to the missions conference. So stick around. More live till five after this. On God's celestial shore, I'll fly away. Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me. Walk with me, Lord. God, walk with me. While I'm on this old tedious journey. I want Jesus to walk with me. And we're back with the last few minutes of Live Till 5, 4.56 p.m. on Friday, March 3rd. Many people have been asking me how my trip went. It was great. I was gone for 21 days, which did feel like a long trip, but it was very profitable. I was able to visit College of the Ozarks in Branson, Missouri to get some ideas for Harvest Baptist Bible College. And then I spoke at the... Mid-America Association of Christian Schools, probably much to the surprise of all my old Christian school teachers that teach there, and got to speak there and meet a lot of neat people and do some sessions on team building and on uh, peacemaking and things like that. Then I got to recruit new potential staff members from Faith Baptist Bible College in Ankeny, Iowa, and I got to see family while I was in Kansas City and in Iowa. My son Andrew's attending college there. And then got to go up to Maranatha Baptist Bible College, or Maranatha Baptist University now, in Watertown, Wisconsin. Spent two days there. Then I got to go to Milwaukee, visit some old friends, and get my laundry done. And then uh, headed down to Greenville, South Carolina, where we were able to not only connect with all of our Guam friends that are there, uh, some students and alumni, former staff members, but we were also able to recruit staff members for Harvest Christian Academy and Harvest Ministries. And we were able to also speak in some classes and things like that and interview people for future opportunities. Really enjoy doing all of that, except for the part about having to be away from home. And uh, that is probably the worst part. But the rest of it is just like, I just like that. I like meeting new people and networking with people 
On the way back last Friday, I got to spend the day at Hanalani Schools in Hawaii, in Melalani, uh, Hawaii. And it was just really a great time. I got to get a lot of good ideas for Harvest Christian Academy. And I think if I was to give a takeaway, one of the best things I heard during the trip was on the very first thing I stopped to do at College of the Ozarks in Branson, Missouri. The vice president, Rick Hughes, just said one thing. He said that their president has really made it a point to make sure that their entire staff understands the mission of why they do what they do. Why does the college exist there? Why are they all working there? And he said this. He said, beware of mission drift. Beware of mission drift. And in colleges, this is true because, you know, you can go after chasing more students. So you offer things, not because it's part of your mission, but because it gets more students or you're going after grant money or you're going after other funding and you can drift away from your initial mission. I think this could happen in churches and schools, colleges, families, businesses. I thought it was just sage advice. Beware of mission drift. Four words that have been ringing in my ears for over three weeks now. And I've brought that back and really taken that to heart. And so uh, I'm going to do my part to make sure that I'm not drifting away from the original mission God's called me to do or the ministry that I'm involved in as well. And if you want to really have your heart warmed and challenged, I'd encourage you to visit us tonight if you don't have something else going on. 7 p.m. at the Harvest Baptist Church Auditorium, our missions conference, talking about taking the gospel to the whole world. And we have some great people participating in our missions conference it is really a blessing pete blake will be speaking this sunday also 9 30 a.m 10 30 a.m and 6 p.m we'll be wrapping up the final part of our missions conference if you don't have a church home please come visit us at harvest baptist church and find us on the web hbcguam.net and uh, look up directions but we'd love to have you if you don't have a church home and if you have a church home but you're looking for something to do tonight come on out we have a children's program during the missions conference up through fourth grade and then uh, of course some great preaching we won't be real late tonight but it's going to be a great time and uh, we encourage you to come and enjoy our missions conference 2017 and that's it for today this is live till five i'm jared baldwin your host episode 206 on friday march 3rd have a great weekend this is khmg 88.1 fm harvest family radio barragata guam stick around for srn news